0: Relevant content for our members, by our members. This is TMC
1: Connect.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rich Swarbinski with The Mortgage Collaborative here with The Rundown with Rob and Rich. We just went live. It's not even 3 Eastern, so we'll give everybody a minute or two to get logged on, and then we'll go ahead and get started.
0: So, Rich, what would you want to talk about
2: if we weren't live? If we weren't live? Ooh. (sighs) cavaliers yeah you know <laughs> any sports conversation you know any sport any team you you can rope me into a conversation that that's an easy one sports craft beer uh the stock market Wow, this is good. it's good you know well
0: uh, we're happy to have you on board a couple of weeks ago we had uh Tracy King, Denario, and, and and she was always flaunting her her hair,
1: you right, know, right?
0: So you fit right in here uh, <laughs> with the, uh, you know, I'm sure you use the same protein enhanced conditioner that that Rich and I use.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're all kindred spirits, right? It's kind of it's it's flowing. It looks pretty good. Yeah, There's not, not sure. a lot
0: Island of hair. I only buy hair care products that have uh, English and French on the label. I figure they must be good that way. <laughs> I think so. I think so.
1: Cool thing I is, know, you know, I kind
2: everyone of. with TMC here with the rundown with Rob and Rich. Uh, still see a bunch of people uh, getting logged on and uh, we'll get started in about 30 seconds here. Mm-hmm.
1: Paul, what were you going to say? You know, I it just kind of got away from me there. Uh, you know, manage my own hair care products. I kind of make my own. I'm, I'm coming out with Paul's instead of hims, so we'll see how it works. There you go.
2: Hims, yeah. I like that stock. <clears>
1: oh, <throat> yeah.
2: All right, good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with The Rundown with Robin Rich every other Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, our wild uh, whirlwind through all things mortgage industry and and many other topics usually. So, And uh, this week, as always, I'm joined by the Rob Chrisman. Rob, good to see you. Good to see you too, Rich. And this week, very pleased to uh, have a special guest, uh, TMC fan favorite, TMC lender member, TMC preferred partner, fellow French Bulldog owner, fellow Cal Berkeley uh, child uh, enrollee, and the always. Stephen A. Milner might be the best dressed man in the mortgage industry. Paul Campbell's got the best outfits in the mortgage industry. So this is the like uh this is the the best dressed week on TMC Connect. Paul Campbell of Equilibrium Solutions. Paul, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey Rich, so so honored to be here. So honored to be a part of TMC and to be with Rich and Rob. Rob Chrisman is just phenomenal. And I guarantee you I'm not California sober yet. <laughs> well,
2: Paul, Paul's company, Paul joined TMC as a lender member. He co-owner of a mortgage company, quick mortgage company. And he was so sick of like the the ups and downs of the ops, unevenness of the mortgage industry. He started a fulfillment services company, I think really just as like a a hobby at the the beginning. And then a couple of our members started using it and they're like, this guy gets it. And next thing you know, you know, we uh, added you as a preferred partner before I think you were even ready or willing. And you're one of the most adopted partners we have in the network just a couple of years later.
1: Well, it was a little bit scary at first. Um, We were in Atlantic City, Barik and I, and we were sitting in a roundtable of CEOs. And and the challenge was, and it was just two short years ago, the challenge was, you know, costs are getting more expensive. Volume is kind of going away. There was a lot of help. You know, people needed help with variable costs and you know, the overall origination cost structure. And so Nish and I sat back and said, you know, we've got an operation out in India. Grow it, see what we can do. Let's be a partner, let's be a friend. And you're right, you're to- so right, Rich. We got started and it was kind of a hobby. It was kind of like, let's put it together. And lo and behold, we got a refinance boom and we started helping partners out. And then we got to the point of capacity and we started really having to be strategic in what we do. And we got through the pandemic and what's really super cool is we got a lot of folks through the pandemic, a lot of homeowners, a lot of refinancers, a lot of lenders, and we really grew exponentially. So, love the growth. Um, love TMC. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Everywhere I go, it's just great. I love being in all events. And believe it or not, Rob Christman helped out a ton with the blog and letting us be a part of that. You know, it was a small fee, but it was totally worth it.
0: Well, you know, the, the it's interesting, and we may we may talk talk about this a little bit. Paul, during our session here, but the it, it's easy to be a manager when you are out recruiting, hiring, expanding, uh, and you know a lot of people went into 2020 thinking that the opposite was going to happen. You know, I was going to, you know, we're going to have to lay people off, we're going to have to contract, and so forth. And <clears throat> this industry is so cyclical that the the need for some kind of Uh, uh, system like yours to be able to kind of dampen that accordion that we go through both with, with systems and with personnel, obviously you found a sweet spot. So congratulations on that.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. And you know, where the big thing that I I'm really looking forward to 2021, as we go further into the quarter and all the rest of the year is we're here again, where there's a need to balance out, if you will, find an equilibrium in the marketplace with regard to staffing overall, you know, lenders are kind of looking like, can I sustain this volume? Maybe I can't, what am I going to do with my staffing? But there's an opportunity here with equilibrium where we can partner with you, um, you lenders out there and just make it so it's your own, you know, we're we're super flexible and I don't think people really realize is that we are a lender quick mortgage. Um, and this is our captive. And we treat your business like we treat our business. And that's what's special about it. I mean, we go through the ups and downs and we see the needs. So we're not out there trying to get you to take away your core staff, but we're definitely there for those that need help. And I see the need to just grow and continue uh, to grow as we get through 2021.
0: <laughs> hey, Paul, before we get much further, I need to ask you know, we're, we're a lot of people getting, getting Zoom fatigue and so forth, so on. But I, I find Zoom somewhat interesting. Who is in the in the photograph in the middle on the wall behind you?
1: Oh, geez. That's my girl, Madison Campbell. Let me double check. She scored 1,000 points in high school. She's just a super-duper. I mean, you see a little itty-bitty 5-foot-3-inch girl and just dominant. You know, started as a, a freshman in high school and all the way through as a point guard. So a point guard scoring 1,000 units that thinks pass first instead of score first. It's pretty awesome. Really proud of her. And she's on her way to Berkeley. She finished her first year, you know, on Zoom in a virtual world, you know, driving me crazy every day because we're together. But nonetheless, I really love the time that we're getting to spend together. We just went up to Berkeley and I can't think of a better place for her to be because it just totally fits. There you go. All
0: right. Congratulations.
1: Thank you, sir.
2: Cool. This is the rundown with Robin Rich, with special guest, special guest Paul Campbell of Equilibrium Solutions this week. And uh, as always, we want and usually have a very interactive program. Uh, encourage uh, your questions, comments, uh, thoughts, feedback. Uh, jokes we welcome substantive and just completely inane uh comments and uh you know uh notes throughout the program so anything you want us to talk about or you want to react to just pump it in the chat or the q a and if it's not too offensive we'll voice it aloud so
0: (laughs) rich leave the uh, leave the inane comments to me all right
2: All right. Well, where do we start? There's so much going on right now in the mortgage industry. I, you know, we're joking. I send out just like, we don't script this program, if you couldn't tell by watching it very, very uh, sternly, but I do send out like a list of potential discussion topics. And, you know, I sent it out to Rob and Paul and, you know, immediately got like three jokes back about how, you know, we would need seven to eight hours to get through all this. But uh, Rob, let's start with the CFPB uh, proposed foreclosure ban until 2022, and they've put this out for comments, so it's not like it's official yet. You know, the notable part here is that it doesn't even matter if it's COVID related. And I know, uh, you know, at TMC, we have several different working groups of like industry professionals that we've cultivated over the years. We have a servicing professionals working group. That actually was our first working group. We started three or four years ago. I know this group was reply all commenting about it, and you know, uh, there's obviously good intentions for this, but there's also the other side of it. Um, Any feedback from the reader base uh, this week on this topic?
0: Yeah, I've had some 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 very intelligent uh, conversations with folks, and intelligent on their side, I should say. Uh, The basic crux of it is that it wasn't. A huge surprise. Uh, some of the things that we we get out of re- regulators and so forth are huge surprises. But this, you know, wasn't a shock. The 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 CFPB with the new administration and so forth has uh, has not made a secret of its uh, its directive, its thought, its its opinions about protecting the consumer, uh, protecting the consumer in the pandemic and so forth. So. It wasn't a shock, um, uh, especially to, to mortgage servicers out there. But if you put, you know, the, the, the feeling that I got uh, from the emails that I received is if you put on the hat of a, a servicer or an investor and you buy a mortgage or you lend, make a loan, or, or you buy a mortgage backed security. You have a certain set of assumptions with regard to that security and the loans in that security, and how those uh, how those loans are handled, and, and the uh, uh, you know the prepayment assumptions and the foreclosure assumptions, and so forth and so on. And when the CFP comes out with something like that, a proposal, and you're right, it, it is just a proposal at this point. But you know, pro- pro- proposals tend to have. A way of, of working their way into the system. Uh, when you come out with a proposal like that, it throw, throws off the assumptions that mortgage-backed security helder uh, owners have. And the, the fact of the matter is uh, you've got a lot of services out there kind of wondering: all right, you know, how is this going to impact our cash flow? Uh, if a borrower isn't making their payments. Who's going to come up with the payments? Because invest, investors expect payments in, in, with some securities. So you have a lot of uncertainty out there, a lot of doubts. Uh, the CFPB certainly, certainly has time to rectify some of those doubts and, and hear the input and so forth. And I certainly encourage everybody on this call to uh, uh, comment on the, uh, on the proposal. But I think that overall, this industry has done an amazing job of continuing to help consumers regardless of what we get thrown at us. Uh, whether it was the CFPB from five or 10 years ago, TRID, uh, you know some of the moves that Mark Calabria uh, is making, and now this, you we'll know, survive as an industry and borrowers will always want to own homes and so forth and so on. So I think that the devil's going to be in the details that's the message I got this week from my emails. Interesting.
2: And uh, certainly welcome anybody's feedback on the call uh, about the CFP proposal to uh, ban foreclosures until 2022. Uh, Paul, uh, how did you react when you saw the news come across the wire this week?
1: You know, I just looked at it as a kind of apropos, right? We're, we're in a situation where we're trying to keep the market held up, basically. Uh, rates are favorable, but they're going to go up. Housing prices are escalating at a very high rate. A lot of folks out there are, are still challenged in the marketplace with regard to jobs. So, you know, I mean, the ban until 2022 is it, a challenge for us, for sure. In um, the fact that it won't allow more inventory into the marketplace, but it's probably the right thing to do.
2: Inventory in the marketplace, something I want to get to in a moment here. But before I do that, Rob, so Rohit Chopra, uh, the appointee, still not confirmed as director of the CFPB. I was just doing a little Googling around today, and uh, it appears like this is going to be a 50-50 Senate vote. Uh, Of course, the vice president... Uh, Kamala Harris has the tie-breaking vote and certainly would vote to appoint him but if you have Senator Manchin in West Virginia that's on the fence there was some speculation that just based on his past so it's not I think you know now the acting director I think would still move these initiatives forward but have you heard any chatter um, about the confirmation or any of this noise?
0: Uh, uh, This might be a short subject Rich I have not Uh, the the I seem to be focused more more on the, the Biden administration's housing proposal, the uh, uh, you know the infrastructure plan, and so so forth. Uh, you know, I recall with the Trump administration, it took months and months and months to uh, fill some of these positions. In fact, I don't even know if all of them were were filled by the end of his uh, administration. So these things can drag on. So I I, I think the. I think from what i've heard or I should say the lack of what i heard I've, I've heard from lenders is uh, very telling it's that they're focused on you know doing as much business as they can in the current environment, and uh, you know the nominees will will come up as they come up.
2: This is The Rundown with Robin Rich. Uh, I wanna welcome all of our attendees, including those of you that just got logged on here. Uh, moving onward, the, the issue of just inventory in general and house prices is, is just, it, it won't go away. And for good reason, uh, it is really just a dearth of homes on the marketplace right now. Values are skyrocketing. It seems like every week there's a report uh, a new report, you know, showing either if it's listings or existing or new home sales up 14, 15 in some markets, 20, 25 percent year over year. Uh, I threw out a proposal on LinkedIn yesterday that uh, for I'm going to just call it the Swarinski plan for for lack of a better uh, uh, term. And it's not too complex. It's uh, capital gains, uh, tax exemptions for people that own investment properties, that sell them into the marketplace, um, to people that are obviously people that are going to buy them owner-occupied. To me, this is, I'm, I'm dying for you guys to poke the holes in this because to me, this helps the inventory issue. It helps the affordable housing issue in theory, most many of you know investment properties are lower priced homes. Uh, it helps the exploding home value issue if you put more inventory into the marketplace and mortgage bankers make more money, which all of us love and our members love. So Paul, shoot some holes in my uh, theory here.
1: Rob, you know, anytime I can shoot holes in your theories, I'd try, but I really don't have an opportunity here. It's good for all of us. If more inventory hits the marketplace, if capital gains or or taxation relief is in place, I, I think it's just a win. Uh, it gives more opportunity, and like you said, it will stave off the ever increasing equity in home price in home prices. So it, it just allow that first time home buyer maybe to get into those homes because a lot of folks that have, you know, investment properties are kind of fit into the first time home buyer range. So it will allow the Millennials, if you will, that are settling down and getting out of the city, moving into the suburbs because they can work from home for sure. And starting to have kids, it'll give them that leg up so that they can get that momentum in the marketplace and start doing great things, like we all have. So I can't poke a hole in it. It's really sound, thank sound thinking in my estimation.
2: Rob, you got to be able to poke a hole in this, right? But at the investors—they get to sell high; they don't get taxed to death on their on their proceeds. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, this, I'm trying to think of where this, there has to be something that doesn't make sense about it. Outside of the tax, you'll have less tax revenue that will will come in. But
0: so I'm trying to think uh, uh, I'm trying to put myself in the position of a, you know, middle-aged border on elderly guy uh, who, uh, who may own a a non-owner occupied home somewhere. And if, if this plan came up, I guess the, the the first thing that would cross my mind is do I do I need the money? Uh, do I need the cash that I have tied up in in this house? Uh, let's let's say I don't need it, and let's say in fact I'm doing just fine. In fact, I want to buy more rentals. Um, that probably wouldn't prompt me to sell. Um, if if I did need the cash. Uh, I I think that would be a great plan. Uh, I, I I may want to sell the house, regardless of the tax consequences, if I re- really need the money. So maybe what your the Serbinsky plan, plan as it's uh, commonly known these days, is you know maybe if 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 that is in place somehow. Of course, the devil's in the details. A lot of a lot of a lot of things happen. For example, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they make this announcement, and then everybody says, well, wait a minute, what about this? What about Yeah. What about this? But uh, your plan, uh, I think the the issue would be yeah the taxes, um, the loss of of tax revenue to the government. And here, you know, the Biden administration is talking about uh, increasing taxes on certain parts of of certain parts of the population. Janet Yellen is talking about like this global tax, uh, and we have to pay for the stimulus packages somehow. And so the the mode right now seems more with more toward tax uh inc- increases rather than removing revenue. Um so I think that if if you could work out that disconnect between uh less tax revenue and increasing inventory, I think that would be the the big stick, sticking point. But yeah, it's a uh,
2: Here's how I I would argue against the less tax revenue thing, though. I mean, like, you know, these stimulus, you know, it's obviously we had to do some some stimulus payments to get through the pandemic. But we all know many people that got stimulus checks that were still working, didn't need it, so on and so forth. Not saying we shouldn't have done it, um, but, you know, it it was according to a lot of commentators an inefficient uh, use of government capital stimulus through housing right people buy houses more houses are being bought people are buying crap that they would not otherwise buy flooring and cabinets and furniture TVs and having cookouts and you know big grocery store orders and uh, to me this would be stimulus to the economy as well and I think we would make up a lot of that tax revenue on the if come from all the people that bought these new homes that were out on the marketplace
0: yeah so let's uh, we'll get we'll, we're gonna loop paul Paul in here, because I want to ask Paul about uh, what he thinks his clients are thinking out there, because Paul has equilibrium solutions, has clients nationwide. But today in my commentary, I mentioned a a CNBC article about how people in New York are already talking about moving to places like Florida, moving out of state because of the taxes that uh, New York is thought to be going to impose. And it'll become. Uh, uh, I think. I think the article said even more highly taxed than California.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so there you you have a situation now, Rich. To your point, to help your plan, people can. People are definitely tax motivated. That they are mobile as never before. So yeah, maybe maybe that'll maybe that would definitely help. So Paul, what are you? hearing or seeing. I know it's kind of new about, uh, about the Srebinski plan. It hasn't uh, uh, gotten in the mainstream press yet. But Paul, what do you think your clients would
1: would think about it? You know, I think my clients, especially in the middle of America, would welcome that, that flight um, away from the coast for sure. And, you know, we give them an opportunity to build up. And, and you can see the migration plans going across a lot of folks going into Texas, still going into Texas, folks going into Las Vegas, Nevada, still going to Nevada and Arizona, but more importantly, you're going to get people kind of moving into the breast belt too. Um, and I think that's going to be powerful. So if there was an opportunity for a plan that would allow that flow to continue to increase and would give some relief on the coast with regard to inventory, I just think it would be huge.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think, Rich, if you uh, and I've been half-heartedly meaning to do this, uh, there are there are a handful of very large companies that own you know one hundred, two hundred thousand single-family homes out there in the United States. It, the Serbinski plan, uh, you know, have you have you have you have you brought those companies into the into the tax situation? I mean, what's what are your thoughts about corporations selling off tens of thousands of single-family homes?
2: I've reached out to Google and Apple about the Swerbinski plan. They have not got back to me. I, you know, I don't know uh, what's going on, but uh, evidently it hasn't uh, reached their radar yet. So, yeah. <laughs> this is the rundown with Rob and Rich uh, every other Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. This week, pleased to be joined uh, by special co-host Paul Campbell of Equilibrium Solutions and. Uh, let's turn our attention to uh, new president, Bi- new presidential administration, uh, President Biden. Uh, certainly, a lot of um, uh, things he's starting to put in the hopper related to housing. Obviously, came out with a big infrastructure plan that had a lot of housing tentacles to it. Uh, also called on Congress to uh, relax zoning laws for uh, municipalities uh, that rezone. Uh, single-family land for multi-use and commercial and uh, use to to be able to uh, construct lower uh, to moderate affordable housing units. Uh, Rob, I'll start with you. What, just in general, the the noise you've been hearing in the email inbox and and, in response to your daily commentary regarding some of President Biden's proposed housing initiatives?
0: Well, Rich, you might not like what I have have to say about that. The
2: uh, does he not know about the Swerbinski plan either?
0: <laughs> the uh, uh, The responses, or, or what I've seen, is that it is uh, uh, indicative of every new administration to come in and uh, say they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and they're going to do this, and they're they're going to do that. And once again, the uh, the devil's in the details. The devil's in, you know, can, can they actually carry out what they say? You know, I, I uh, New Year's Eve. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not I'm going to lose, you know, 20 pounds. Go Rob. January 2nd, January 3rd. You know, I mean, think, you know, New Year's resolutions tend to crumble. Uh, it's very Difficult to get a lot done in this political environment, and so the responses that I've gotten, and like I say, you may not like to hear this, but the responses that I've got are: we have another administration, another set of pie-in-the-sky ideas, and uh, you know, a, a, there's a lot, a lot of skepticism, shall we say, about getting some of these things done. Paul, Paul may have heard something more optimistic.
2: You run a mortgage company, you run a fulfillment services company. So you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with lenders all across America. What have you heard just in general, uh, you know, general scuttlebutt uh, related to President Biden's housing initiatives that uh, he's starting to socialize?
1: You know, as he is starting to socialize, it, I think that what I'm seeing and possibly what I'm hearing is focusing on the low to moderate income group which seems to be, you know, that's the ticket every time we get a new president. Uh, the challenge is, is their ability to pay back those loans, their willingness to pay, you know, the great Stephen A., you you got to be able to pay it back and got to have that discipline. So it's going to be a lot of work. Um, and I'm not so sure that, you know, President Biden and, and team, of course, I'm sure they know what they're doing. But th- there just seems to be like, you know, the devil's in the details, like Rob said. And you really got to get to the ground floor and you got to get rocking and rolling on it. And That way you can prepare people for the opportunity with the rezoning and of land and everything else districts to where they really can have a home that they do. They can't afford, you know, that they can survive when times get lean and be able to make those payments so that we don't end up in a, another situation where we start making up products in the industry uh, and just kind of moving things around to, to just kind of generate volume And we end up with a lot of foreclosures. I don't want to see that again at all.
0: Yeah, Paul, you touched on a good point because when you look at the way housing works in the United States, uh, you know, way back, way back when the government comes, the federal government says, "Well, we want uh, you know seventy percent home ownership. Let's get there." But by the time that directive filters down to the states and then to the counties and then to the towns, then the local zoning ordinances, it it tends to get beaten down quite a bit. And so so the federal government may want one thing, but then you're dealing, you're a city councilman and you're dealing with a group of irate homeowners uh, in the Mm -hmm. area where you want to build, you know, 50, uh, 50 units of affordable housing and they're screaming and yelling and the zoning doesn't require it or doesn't call for it. There's a, there's a disconnect there, so I think uh, the the Biden administration, the Biden administration, from what I've seen in the plans, are going to try to maybe uh, eliminate that or help ease that a little bit. So yeah. it'll be interesting to watch. But um, you know, Rich, to Paul's point, you know, it take t- it takes a while, and uh, you know, you know, we'll see, we'll see what works. Let's see
2: should be interesting. This is the rundown with Rob and Rich joined by a special guests this week, Paul Campbell of equilibrium solutions have about 1520 minutes left and some comments starting to uh, pile up in the chat here. Uh, some in favor of the Swerbinski plan. Um, some, uh, somebody noted that they read something about a similar plan, but it was uh, only if sold to first time homebuyers. Uh, mm. and also referred to combining it with the $15,000 down payment assistance grant that has been talked about. And I guess let's stop there for a second. Uh, the down, the first time home buyer down payment assistant grant, that, that was one of the hallmarks of Biden's housing plan, just, you know, in, in the run up to the election, something he hasn't really talked about at all since being elected. And I, I think that's because it's dangerous right now. I mean, it could only, it could potentially i have read pieces from people smarter than me saying it would only exasperate the inventory issue um, and the affordability issue. And uh, right now, uh, you know, we talk about the inventory issue all the time, but the barrier to home ownership, you know, rates I know have come down a little bit as of late, but we have rates are higher, home values are higher. Uh, the barrier to home ownership um, is, it's just getting higher and higher and higher. So, um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see if there is any talk about that first time home buyer tax credit. I haven't heard anything about it in really weeks. Uh, Rob, Paul, have you guys heard anything about it?
1: You know, I haven't heard much about it at all, but I do know Large banks, not to plug them, but they've had down payment assistance programs for years. You know, years and years and five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, up to twenty five thousand dollars, some. So that that really is is nothing new, and the impact is great for those that you know have access to those funds, those that qualify. I think it's huge, but I'm not so sure what kind of vehicle they're going to roll out. Who they're going to kind of like the PPP loans, right? So are you going to give this group? of entities, the ability to have these federal funds and they're going to manage it and march it out. Um, I don't think that that benefits the IMB. So I'd be really, really interested to see if there is a down payment assistance program, how it's going to come out and who's going to be the benefactor with regard to who's going to be the administrator of it.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would echo what Paul said, Rich, you know, when I talk to, uh, uh, people at mortgage companies or, or people anywhere and they they say, well, what's going on? And, uh, and they'll, that one of their common complaints is that they, they have a group of originators or a group of account executives who, uh, who will come in and say, well, why can't we have, uh, why can't we have this piece of software? And then you'll say to them, well, we do have that, piece of software. you know we do have that. Uh, people don't use the tools that are available to them. People don't use the down payment assistance programs that are already out there that they may just not even know about. So why add another down payment assistance program if your existing staff isn't using the ones that are already there? Um so I think I think that might be a bit of an issue it's nice to talk about but you know I think some very successful loan officers are successful because they use what they have rather than asking for something new
2: did have a question come in the chat. Uh, say, hey, fellas, love the program. This question's for Rob. Rob, to the best of your recollection, how would you compare the Biden administration's affordable housing initiatives with the Lincoln administration's housing initiatives? <laughs> Rob, any thoughts on the Biden housing plan? For- <laughs> <laughs> the Lincoln housing plans.
0: The Lincoln housing plan.
2: No, you don't, you don't go back. He doesn't no,
0: quite. Is that my, my my parole officer on, on this call. <laughs> that was David
2: Kittle that put that uh, comment in. Oh my God. Uh, Jesus. So, uh, uh, all right, moving onward here. Um, so uh, the FHFA, uh, you know, we're still kind of in this state of flux with, with collaborate, the head of the organization. And, uh, and then we continue to see though, uh, the secondary market participants coming into the marketplace with uh, solutions, uh, trying to fill the gaps on the Fannie Freddie, uh, I guess it's still just Fannie, uh, restrictions on second homes and investment properties. Paul, I know this is something in the the pre-show uh, conversation that uh, caught your attention. What has been the reaction from your clients and you know, just as somebody who also owns a mortgage company um, on this issue? And how do you think this is going to play out it's probably we're probably going to continue to see uh investors come to the marketplace with non-qm products to kind of fill the void here no
1: yeah i think it's it's that old adage i mean when one door closes another door opens where you see that seven percent cap you know we folks got to look around because a lot of them do a lot of investment property but i was on a on a call yesterday with you know i don't want to name names but with uh maxx my rep and she was telling me she's like we're coming out with more products and that's what i think is going to become more prevalent. You'll just see more outlets develop as we develop, you know, the ability to get that stuff out there in the secondary market and monetize it, right, in a different way. It just won't have to all go to Fannie and Freddie if Freddie follows suit. So I think that's what we'll see, more product development and more ability to get that inventory, if you will, of um, opportunity out into the marketplace. There, there'll be more outlets coming up soon.
2: Rob and uh, you mentioned you've uh, mentioned some of these new uh, secondary market products in, in your commentary, and uh, also kind of weaves in with the topic of the Fannie Freddie, their latest news, the QM patch. Uh, any thoughts on that topic?
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, once again, I'm, I'm like being uh, it's tough following Paul on this show to uh, <laughs> so to echo what Paul Paul said. The the it, it's this industry will we'll continue to, do, to to help borrowers. Um, the question is, how are they going to do that? And when uh, what Paul said about one door closing, another door opening, you know, the industry is filled with some very smart people, very savvy entrepreneurial people who will will figure it out. And the industry is also filled with uh, investors who uh can offer this product. And so you have a, uh, a lot of money out there capital saying would I rather invest in a uh, a 95% LTV Fannie Mae loan owner occupied or a you know a uh, a 60% LTV investor loan or a second home of somebody who owns a nice first home um, you know risk return what kind of rate are, are we going to demand? What kind of return are we going to get from second homes or from non-owner occupied loans? Uh, will it really be much higher? You know, so I think uh, to, to Paul's point again, it'll be interesting to see, see whether uh, you know whether private capital comes in. I maintain private capital is all all that uh, is always more expensive because they want a return. When you talk about the QM patch versus non QM and some some of the shifts that just came out uh, yesterday from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac the the indus, the industry will figure it out the the industry will uh, continue to help borrowers and if Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, through d- director Calabria's uh, efforts continue to, to shrink their footprint or limit the amount of product that's coming in their their portal, um, as an industry, we'll find another source. Now it'll probably be more expensive, uh, mm-hmm. and capital markets people people will have to earn their pay. They can't just you know sell loans to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac every day. They have to negotiate with some of these other uh, investors that may be coming into the market for some of these products, whether they're n- non-QM. Uh, or second homes, or not not occupied loans, but uh, we'll figure it out. It'll it'll take a while, but we'll f- we'll figure it out.
2: Agree. The other thing that I've had heard some notes on, just from our members and other people in the industry over the course of the last week, is uh, is some of the other uh, proposed uh, Fannie Freddie changes coming down the pike per the. FHFA uh, amendments to the uh, agency preferred stock purchase agreements, the a billion and a half cap on loans sold through the cash window uh, to the agencies in any rolling 12-month period uh, had some people a lot smarter than me saying that, hey, if we get the industry consolidation, I think a lot of people in the industry feel like these next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of M&A in the mortgage industry. You got a lot of big mortgage lenders that are really, really hell bent on getting bigger um, and that this could really be uh, something that uh, is the biggest issue of all these proposed changes. Um, You know, just these big lenders uh, needing far more than that cap. Of loans, they could sell the agencies that product having to go somewhere else. Maybe the aggregators not being a solution for one reason or another, and uh, the emergence of you know private label or private options in the secondary marketplace that uh, that could emerge to satiate that. So, is there anything other you guys have uh, heard anything about?
0: <clears throat> I'll let Paul go first.
2: Rob, you're
1: amazing. You know, I really haven't heard about it, but I do recall I was sitting in a room full of executives back in 2010 or so, and you know, the, the head of the, the mortgage company, a really large one. I asked a simple question. I said, "Do you think the secondary market's going to come back?" And and she looked at me, and she was like, "No." And and I thought, kind of like, "Boo!" You know, I'm an old country guy. And and did I say that? But still, yeah, I. I I look forward to the day when we have a very robust secondary market like we once had. Um, we have better products now. We have safer products now. Um, I look forward to competition as well. Um, I'm not so much, I, I, I'm small, right? I'm a small IMB, I'm a little bit bigger than I was a year ago. But I, I'm competitive, I'm nimble. And I think there's a place for me. And I don't want to see the behemoths of the world kind of gobble us all up. And matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking for M&A opportunities as well. But to but to my to the point is, we got. I would love to see a secondary market. I would love us to see us grow and be bigger. I'd love to see liquidity in the marketplace. I'd love to see some new instruments that we can trade upon. Um, so to answer your question, uh, that is my answer. What do you got, Rob?
0: Yeah, I, I would. When I got in the business in the '80s, Paul, the 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 fact of the matter was, as as a secondary marketing person. Part of my job was trying to find investors for products that maybe mainstream investors didn't want, and so there were uh, 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 pension funds, credit unions, uh, regional ba- banks, and so forth that had a demand. Uh, they needed assets. They wanted the loans that we were able through our you know origination network to produce. So, so they want they wanted that product. Um, that's on a small scale. On a big scale, Rich, you know, if I'm if I'm a large independent independent, and uh, you know, Goldman Sachs is knocking on my door and saying, you know, hey, you underwrite the lo- loans using D.U. and L.P. and you know what? I think we can go we can go to market with with a pool of loans and we can kick it. We can eliminate some of these uh, loan level price adjustments, some of these G fees. Uh, you know 10 basis point g fee from 10 years ago about some highway plan whatever blah 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 if if a large investor or a large originator is is approached by an investment bank and they're able to structure a deal like like you said Paul uh, and there's demand for I I think that I think it'll 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 do it'll do well and so whether you're a small small shop who is originating loans and selling them to a local credit union uh, or a local pension fund, or whether you're a you know a loan depot or a fairway or a penny mac or some somebody who can play with the big guys and uh, issue securities and it's cost effective. Like I said earlier, eliminate some of these loan level price adjustments or eliminate some of these guarantee fees, g fees that are put in place by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and it makes sense. Uh, you know that could flourish. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic like you are, Paul.
2: Very. This is The Rundown with Rob and Rich, uh, joined this week by special guest Paul Campbell of TMC lender member, Quick Mortgage and TMC preferred partner, Equilibrium Solutions, who provided so many... Fulfillment service solutions uh, for so many of our members last year when uh, all hell started breaking loose in the summer and people are like oh my God, like uh, I think we need a bigger boat. Um, And uh, we've got just about five minutes left so uh, any questions comments uh, thoughts. uh, uh, This would be the time for them in the chat the Q and a and uh, fellows with the remaining time we got uh, Marsha fudge won't cut. Uh, insurance premiums. CFPB warns people unprepared is unacceptable. Private equity continue to see a lot of private equity uh, getting pumped into mortgage fintech. Uh, of course, there's always the you know the wholesale uh, mafia wars. Uh, that's always a popular topic with the listeners. Uh, anything in there that uh, has caught your guys' attention uh, as of late?
0: I want I want to ask Paul to to ignore what you just said, Rick. <laughs> uh, uh but I want to ask Paul when Paul when you are dealing with a small to mid-sized lender and I'm talking about an originator doing, you know, 50 or 100 million a month, which is kind of small on a big scale of things. Mm-hmm. Uh and they come to you with you know, Paul, what can Equilibrium Solutions do to it? Why should we why should we use you? Why should we outsource everything we've got, you know, Betsy's doing a great job Job underwriting and and uh, you know Frank's doing a great job, you know you know, drawing docs and blah blah blah. What what is it about your company that people that attract, you know that, that attracts other companies?
1: You know at equilibrium, pretty pretty straightforward, Rob. Um, I talk to every one of the customers that come across. We develop a relationship. And they know that we're going to treat them the same way we treat our customers. And we have a lot of folks that ask a lot of questions. I was just asked the other day, like process flow questions. Like, Paul, the loan comes from an originator. It goes to a processor. It goes to an underwriter. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. They're like, what can I do? You know, I said, well, you can go from an originator to a setup team straight to your underwriter, especially now because of purchases. You can get that prequal out, right? And then you can turn around and continue to work on your business. It'll, it'll come through the pipe a lot faster. And so as we sat down and kind of talked a little bit more, they said, well, you know, my underwriters, that Betsy underwriter, they've been with me for 10, 12 years, Paul. I said, it's not about getting rid of your underwriters, but you can kind of push your loans this way. And we can underwrite them and sign off on them. And you know what you're going to need? You're going to need Betsy to QC your loans. And that's where it comes from being a lender. Because I'm like, you know, you're going to have to step that 10, 20% QC up to probably like 100%, right? Everybody's coming after us for EPDs, right? Early payoff. So it's like, let's kind of check it out. And EPOs, let's, let's check it out. Because your default rates are kind of climbing a little bit. Everybody's trying to refinance your product let's get a little bit more sound at what you're doing. You can focus on how you're locking loans and what your loan originators are doing, your sales habits. And then we can backstop your product and make sure you're not making mistakes by your own people. Can QC it at a higher rate and we can help you out. So just being able to be a consultant and a friend, and I really do lean on the friend part. Um, we have the the ability to be both and that's what's exciting about Equilibrium.
2: Average salary for an underwriter nationally, TMC benchmark 77 to $93,000 a year and not counting <laughs> bonuses just during the pandemic that right. with the escalation. So uh and out where you guys are, what are under what are under What are underwriters making in uh in uh, California? Like uh dollars a year? <laughs> with bonus. <both. laughs> I 30, about fifty. Uh, lending in Cleveland. I, I can get them good ones for like 60.
0: Hey, yeah. really, have you heard? Everybody, everybody's working from home now, and, and the, uh, the company the clean has underwriters in uh, places like Manitoba, Manitoba, and Seoul, Korea, and <laughs> you
2: know. right. yeah. uh, certain things from the pandemic that like won't go away. Work from home. Fulfillment services. I can't tell you how many of our members, like in September and October, like a lot of maybe of our depository members, they couldn't get approved internally. And like Paul's company is onshore and offshore, but maybe, you know, like a community bank that just couldn't get past doing the offshore thing. Like in September, they're like, you know, oh my God, we need, who do you got for fulfillment services? I'm like, well, you know, we got a great part, but it was just tough because it was so busy at that point to start doing that during that period of time was kind of crazy
1: so yeah it was tough it's definitely tough and you see the small depositories of medium size and we go through a big vendor package you know and or right we're solid we're rock solid And we had to grow to be that but by the same token you know i was getting like how soon can we start how soon can we start and it was interesting but and then that's another thing at equilibrium you sign the contract and i'll start you the next day we'll walk through your process we'll do it in zoom And my people are super well skilled. And then you can start generating business with me within a matter of 72 hours, as opposed to you got to wait 90 days or 60 days for me to build the staff up for you to be ready to go. I have to be careful sometimes because we've had to work like an accordion, as Rob said, with the capacity challenges. But that's, you know, that's kind of our mantra and the way we roll that's what we always hear from lenders.
2: Like it's just, it's easy to get up and running. it's easy to do business and not a lot of red tape and minutiae like TMC. I joke, but it's not even a joke. Like I'm our lawyer, like, you know, mm-hmm. not going to get, you're not going to get uh three week contract reviews from, uh, from us. So, but uh, uh, all seriousness, great job, uh, Paul, with with the member base last year and helped them out immensely and uh, appreciate it. So <clears throat> such our pleasure. Thank you. Any uh, parting thoughts uh, for the audience as we head towards the weekend? Any weekend plans uh, you guys got uh, going on? Anything exciting? Things are starting to get back to normal a little, right? I got having some family over for a little cookout in the backyard. (laughs) It's like 70 in Cleveland right now. So uh, anything Um,
1: San Diego weather? (laughs) I don't know, Rob, what you got going on this weekend?
0: You know, this is gonna sound. I'm gonna put on. Some people call me Eeyore, You know, it seems like Fridays are kind of like Saturdays, or kind of like Sundays, kind of like Mondays. I don't know. I was when Rich threw that question out there. I had to think. I don't. You know, I'll, I'll probably go for a couple good long bike rides. Uh, you know, spring spring weather out out west. It's uh, you know a great time to be on a bike. Maybe play some tennis. So nice. try to get outdoors. Are you in with
2: Reno still, or are you in back in San Fran? I'm in, I'm in,
0: I'm in Reno for this for this phone call, Your Honor.
2: Your backgrounds always different, so I, you know you had the sperm sculpture. That, <laughs> the <other>. <laughs> that's
0: that's <laughs> part of the, that, that when you sign on to the witness protection program.
2: They can move you around a
0: lot. Not to remain in one place for too long.
2: Paul, lovely San Diego. Uh, any uh, uh, any uh, any weekend plans?
1: You know, we got a couple standing plans. My wife and I would work out with a group, and it's a really small group since COVID, uh, kind of like a Spartan training on Saturday. And then on Sunday, my wife and my daughter and I, we, we got our walk up to like five miles up in the foothills and mountains and everything. And just to be able to share with her before she goes off to school in April is just huge. And, and uh, you know, we're big Avengers fans and Hawk and the Winter Soldier, you know, that's out tonight. It's going to be a booming episode. So, I'm going to watch some TV. We're going to get out in some sun and we're going to eat really, you know, we're going to eat well. My daughter likes to cook and it's fun.
2: Bike rides and tennis and Spartan training. And all I'm doing is drinking this weekend. You guys are making me feel, making me feel bad. So not that. I'm bad. still
1: going to, I'm still going to knock down 12 and a couple <laughs> shots for sure.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Well, as always, uh, very amusing and fun and insightful conversation. And, uh, Rob, as always, appreciate it. Of course. And Paul, uh, really uh, enjoyed having you on this week, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. All right, Rich. Take care. Yeah, it's yeah, all Thank our Sundays, uh, Every other Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, the Rundown with Rob and Rich. Until then, we will see you next time, and have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Thanks.